Act One, Part One of Lady Huntsworth Experiment by R. C. Carton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae Captain Doverston, read by Adrian Stevens. Reverend Audley Pillinger vicar of stilford in the parish of droneborough read by todd thoresby read by tchaikovsky gandy read by alan mapstone newspaper boy read by david purdy mr crail read by larry wilson miss hannah pillinger reverend audley's sister read by annie mars Lucy Pillinger, read by Matea Bracic. Keziah, Kiz, read by April 6090. Caroline Rayward, read by Adrienne Provost. Stage directions, read by Michelle Eaton. Act 1. Scene, the vicarage garden according to plan. Time, early morning. After the curtain rises, Thorsby enters at gate, looks at French window, crosses and looks at kitchen window goes over cautiously to the tree right he mounts on the seat and extracts a letter from the cavity in the tree replacing it with one of his own he then stands leaning against the tree while he opens kisses and begins to read the letter while he is doing this gandy comes out of the house with toast in rack and jam on dish on salver he catches sight of thoresby crosses to top of table left good morning mr thoresby thoresby startled squashes letter into his pocket eh oh uh, good morning i was i wanted to see mr pillinger mr pillinger ain't much in the habit of climbing trees before breakfast puts jam on table N no of course not he jumps down. Uh, I thought I saw a bird's nest. Looks. I was mistaken, but feeling... Boy heard whistling the AMB. Uh, rather warm after my walk. I fancied it would be cooler under the branches. My object, in fact, was... Shady. Crosses down left of table. What? I was saying it's shady under the hook puts toast on table exactly newsboy enters at gate crosses to centre and calls towards kitchen window papers late again crosses in front of table no i ain't turns and faces gandy yes you are looks at silver watch four minutes and a half late Thorsby sits right and reads letter. Your prospects of a Christmas box are darkening week by week. Well, but I say, Gandy. Crosses down centre. Mr. Gandy, a little more respect might assist your grandmother's next application to the coal and blanket fund. Now, is this today's standard? Yes. Giving it. Very good. 
And what other papers? Sporting life. Gives it. Sporting life. Boy sees jam and works round to top of table. That's rather an innovation, isn't it? Gandhi crosses to Thorsby Centre. It's for Captain Dorverston. We deplore it, but we're helpless. Places papers on table right centre, startles boy and comes towards him. Boy backs towards gate. To boy. Go along with you and mind me. If there's any more tipcat down our road, I call at the police station. All right, keep your air on. Goes off singing the chorus of AMB. Lucy comes out of house with bowl of flowers. Good morning, Mr. Thorsby. Good morning. Rises. You're an early visitor. Puts bowl on table. Yes, I... I was. Gandhi has crossed and turns at porch. Birds nesting. He goes in through porch. Lucy. They both watch him off. Lucy goes up a little and down again. What does he mean? He caught me standing up on that seat. I had just found your letter. She hushes him. And I had to give him some explanation. And you couldn't rise to anything better than that? My dear Harry, what an idiot you are. You see, I greatly dislike any deviation from the truth. Truth is a luxury very few of us can afford. When you and I are married... Thorsby advancing. Darling. Rushes to embrace her. She waves him off. Stay where you are. All the back windows have eyes to them. Muslin curtains don't count. When we are married... Crosses left. In fact, after tomorrow... Oh, Harry, do shut up a minute. You object to shams. How is a properly organised household to be carried on without them? Sits right of breakfast table. Suppose I'm up to my neck in something important. Putting finishing touches to a new ball dress, we'll say. And some female horror calls. Mustn't I be out because I happen to be at home? Deviation from the truth. My dear boy, I should deviate for all I was worth. So you got my letter? Yes. And your answer? I posted it in our usual letterbox. Going to tree. All right, I'll get it directly. Does it give full directions? I think so. Comes centre. Got the special license? Yes. Makes to embrace her. She puts him off and points to windows. You've arranged with old Bristow? Yes. And we bike over to Ingledean Church. What time? Early, of course. I said nine. Very well. Rises. Now you'd better go. He objects. They'll be coming out to breakfast. Thorsby again advancing. Darling. Lucy motions him off again. Back windows! Crosses up centre to house to see if they have been seen. Thorsby turning towards her. I was going to say that I can't help regretting the way we are treating Captain Dorfiston. You mind your own business. She crosses down right and leans on rustic table. 
Captain Dorverston is in my department. I never fully understood how you came to be engaged. Crosses to her. Simple enough. My father was a colonel who did some rather big things on the Indian frontier, and in a dust-up with one of the native princes got himself into rather a tight corner. Jack Dorverston, he was only a subaltern then, pulled him out of it and in fact saved his life. So when the governor died a year or two later, he left a strong wish behind that the captain should marry me. I understand. Lucy crosses round and sits on tree seat right. It was a queer way of showing his gratitude, seeing that I was then a particularly unattractive child, all elbows and knees. Lucy. It's all right. Don't be nervous. Time has softened them down. Beckons him nearer. I have a notion that Jack has always funked the thing, but his colonel had given his orders. He sits on table. Don't you see? And that was enough for him. I don't regard discipline, military or parental, with the same amount of respect. British freedom means the right to make a fool of oneself in one's own way. You're my way, and that's enough for you. He tries to take her hand. She draws it away. Back windows. I suppose no one guesses that we... Mean business? No with the exception possibly of Cook. Cook? He looks at her in surprise. Somehow I've a notion she's tumbled to it. Would it matter? Would she... Prattle about it? No, I think she rather likes me. Tolerates would be a better word. Tolerates? A woman of that class? Cook is a very great personage. She rules the vicarage. Auntie made a show of resistance at first, but Uncle and Jack have been abject slaves from the start. Really? Oh, yes. When a woman is striking in appearance, evidently has a past history, and can make an omelette, I don't see what's going to stop her. What's her history? How should I know? She was recommended to us by the Duchess of Sturton at the time she opened the bazaar. You remember? Local philanthropic? Then you've nothing tangible to go on. Not from a masculine standpoint. Rises. Cook doesn't give herself away, but, like Achilles, she has one vulnerable point and in the same locality. How is that? Rising with Lucy. She wears the neatest, quietest shoes imaginable, only I happen to notice they have Lewis heels. He looks in wonder. That tells you nothing. The inference is too subtle. But it's quite enough for me. Gandhi appears with butter on tray. He comes right of table. Make a dignified clerical exit. Here comes Gandhi. Thorsby takes hat and backs to centre. I think I won't wait, Miss Lucy. Gandhi coughs. Thorsby turns nervously and looks at him. So will you kindly give my message to Mr. Pillinger? Certainly. Thank you. Crosses to gate left. Good morning. Good morning. He looks towards Lucy, catches Gandhi's eye and exits through gate. Lucy is applauding his exit when Gandhi turns and hides her action. Lucy sits on garden chair 
and opens the standard. Gandhi, what is there for breakfast? Gandhi has crossed to top of table and placed butter on it. Eggs. Poached? Boiled. Auntie said poached. Cook said boiled. Oh, there's some fish, isn't there? Kidneys. But Auntie particularly mentioned fish. Cook thought kidneys would be preferable. Oh. She reads paper. Mr Pillinger comes out centre, looking at his watch. Ah, Lucy, breakfast not ready? Lucy rises and crosses to centre. Breakfast is late, as usual. As usual? What do you mean by as usual? I mean as usual. Returns to seat. Cook is most punctual. If some trivial hitch has occurred this morning, I dare say a perfectly reasonable explanation will be forthcoming. Take sporting life off table. Kidneys was late. At table. Kidneys was late. To Lucy. Uh, were late. I knew it. That man's gags is meat which I more than suspect of being colonial, is never delivered in time. To Gandhi. Explain to Cook that the delay is of no consequence, and beg her not to hurry. Gandhi speaking as he goes. She won't hurry. He goes into the house. Pillinger and Lucy look at each other. Pillinger then opens paper and sees his mistake. Pillinger takes standard from Lucy. If I shall not be depriving you of the standard? Not at all. She picks up sporting life. I'll have a look at Jack's sporting life. Pillinger crossing to table turned to her. By the way, during the, I trust, brief interval of time... That must elapse before your marriage with Captain Doveston. You might hint to him that the newspaper he favours is at variance with the general tone of a pious household. I'll mention it. I am obliged to you. Crosses and sits left. Miss Pillinger comes out through French window. Good morning, Audley. Good morning. Lucy rises, crosses, and kisses Miss Pillinger, and returns right. Well, Lucy! Good morning, Auntie. Is breakfast not ready? Looking at table through glasses. No, it isn't ready. Not quite ready. I have no doubt it's nearly ready. I shall really have to speak sharply to cook. Moves towards kitchen. I see no necessity for any um, drastic step of that description. The delay is due to that man's skeggs. Skeggs? Returns to centre. Skeggs. It is also traceable, in a minor degree, to yourself. 
Your injudicious selection of kidneys. Kidneys? Yes. You are aware of my preference for fish. And therefore, I consider the substitution of kidneys. I ordered fish, and I did not order kidneys. Cook is entirely responsible for the change, and I shall certainly... Moves towards kitchen again. Hannah, Hannah, if Cook understood your order, which is by no means obvious... Miss Pillinger crosses round and sits left. She was doubtless influenced by, uh, by Lucy's partiality for kidneys. I never touched them. Well, she couldn't know that. Really, I think this discussion has been sufficiently prolonged. Gandhi comes out with breakfast. He places large salver with tea in teapot. Dish of kidneys and eggs in stand on chair at top right of table. Mr. Pillinger hands him the standard, which he puts on back of chair. He then places eggs and dish of kidneys on table, takes teapot and tray up, and crosses to left to place it in position. He then removes cover off kidney dish and slowly exits through porch. Here is the breakfast. Let us endeavour to approach it in a seemly spirit. Where is Captain Dorveston? Lucy crosses to left. Upon my word, Lucy, considering the ties that will unite you, I hope very shortly to Captain Dorveston. I think he might conform to my rules. Jack was late last night. Sits and takes napkin out of ring. He was. Creaking boots after midnight are a serious infliction. I'll call up to him if you like. I should be indebted. Lucy rises and goes up centre. Mr Pillinger takes napkin out of ring and puts it inside his collar. Lucy goes up stage. Jack! Jack! Captain Dorveston opens window. He is in his shirt sleeves. Hello. Breakfast. What say, little woman? Breakfast. Kidneys. Doubled. Mr. Pillinger, Miss Pillinger and Gandy all start. Tot, tot. Broiled. Broiled. Righto. Down in a minute. He shuts the window. Lucy returns to the table. What are your plans for today, Audley? Miss Pillinger has undone napkin and is pouring out tea. I expect to be rather busy. It's sermon day, isn't it? Hands toast to Mr Pillinger and takes an egg and toast herself. It is. So I trust your piano practice will be reduced to a minimum. I'm going down to the village. I suppose you'll have broken the back of it by lunchtime. Possibly. Probably. Dorveston comes out from French window, takes Lucy's hand between both his, caressingly. Afraid I'm a bit late. How are you, sir? Bowing to Mr Pillinger and Miss Pillinger. In my ordinary health, I am obliged to you. 
You look astonishing fit. Sits. Now, do you know, I feel as jumpy as a flea. Captain Doverston. Fact, ma'am. Takes his napkin out of ring. How were you this morning? Without feeling actually indisposed, I feel... Hands tea to Lucy. Chippy, I know, same here. Where are those kidneys you were shouting about, Lucy? Mr Pillinger hands them. Thanks. Mr Pillinger passes kidneys to Dorverston, which he serves himself. You kept it up again last night, Jack. I had a gentle flutter at the plough rainbow. There was a little pool, so of course I went in. I hope you changed your things. Dorverston and Lucy laugh. Captain Dorverston, damp clothing is so very dangerous. Pool is a kind of billiards, aren't they? Oh, I misunderstood. You tea, Captain Dorverston? She hands tea to Dorverston. Thank you, ma'am. Pillinger hands salt, etc. How did you do over it? Hands toast to Dorverston. So, so, I took a few lives at the finish. Dear me, it sounds rather a bloodthirsty pastime. There was a man there named Crail, nailing good player, potted him just as he liked. He seemed to be a thirsty little beggar. I should say he took a bit of knowing. Who's that, Jack? This fellow Crail, he's stopping at the plough and thingamy. We're going to try a horse together. Today? Yes, said he'd call round some time this morning. Pause. Anna, we must dine earlier this evening, in view of the penny reading. Another of those festive gatherings? Uh, hope you don't expect me to tip him anything this time. No, Captain Dorverston. Your contribution on the last occasion may have been well-intentioned. I judge no man, and will hope so. Thought it was just the thing to wake him up after that Shakespearean bit of yours, the ball of worsted. The fall of Wolsey. I was not present last time. What did Captain Dorverston read? It was an account of the last American glove fight, don't you know? Oh. Described with a wealth of technical detail. Hands his cup to Miss Pillinger. The whole occurrence was most regrettable. I was observing, Hannah. We shall have to dine earlier. I had some idea of making a cold meal. Cold meal? A most unpleasant suggestion. Cold food, especially in the evening, has a tendency to lie heavy on the stu... <clears throat> that is, uh, I see nothing feasible in the notion. Oh, no. Hang it all, ma'am. Cold stuff ain't that kind of thing to do a penny reading on. I thought under the circumstances it might be easier for Cook. Eh? What? Long pause, the men look at her. But as you both object... Hold on, ma'am. One moment, Hannah. 
I will explain to Cook. Anna, Anna, you're so hasty. Hannah, ma'am, pity to be hasty. If you will permit me to explain myself, Captain Dorveston, I have no wish, Hannah, to add weight to Cook's very arduous duties. Here, here. Slaps the table. Pillinger raising his voice. And therefore, it seems to me, um, unmanly to lay stress upon possible digestive difficulties which fortitude and a little pepsin should enable us to face with calmness. Let the meal be a cold one. Lucy has folded up napkin again and taken standard from back of chair and is reading it. Point of fact, it makes a pleasant change. But oddly... The question is decided. We will not pursue the subject. Pause. Dorveston to Lucy. Anything in the paper? There's something about the Huntworth divorce case. We have no wish to hear any news relating to such a matter. But it's an old business, ain't it? When I was in Malta last year, the chaps used to chat about it at mess. Lord Huntworth brought the divorce, didn't he? Yes, Lord Huntworth was the petitioner. It was a sad case. I know Bob Carruthers. Who's he? Rises and crosses up to Dorveston, still reading the paper. The cur... Tut, tut. Bob was an extraordinary good chap. How can any individual be described as good who has occupied the position of, of uh, a correspondent? Bob managed it. You seem to ignore poor Lord Huntworth. Didn't know Huntworth. Did know Bob. He once lent me a monkey when I wanted it badly. Lent it when he wanted it badly. Devilish good chap. Tut, tut. Beg pardon, sir. Slipped out. Did you know Lady Huntworth, Jack? Crosses to right and sits under tree. No. Heard she was a nice woman. Nice? So fellows who met her used to say. But I always understood the suit was undefended. Entirely undefended. Matrimonial thimblerig is a confusing game to watch. Thimblerig? Three thimbles, don't you know? Husband, wife, and the other chap. Mr Pillinger looks up. Well, what I meant to say was, it ain't easy for the looker-on to say which thimble the fault is under. By the by, I saw something in the paper about Lady Huntworth the other day. Surely the whole affair is uninteresting and unsavoury. Nuisance to forget a thing. What was the bit you were reading, Lucy? That yesterday the rule was made absolute. Uh, what does that mean? Only that the time was up. They keep him in blinkers for six months after the verdict. Dorveston draws napkin through the ring. But that wasn't what I read. 
What the devil was it now? God, really, really. I think we've all finished, haven't we? Gandhi appears with letters, three of which Mr Pillinger takes and two Miss Pillinger. Hannah, you will probably wish to interview Cook. Dorverston rises, takes chair right, sits and begins to load his pipe. I will see her in your presence. Gandhi has come back to top of table. Gandhi, will you ask Cook to come to me? I wish to give her my orders. Orders? Dorverston fills pipe and lights it. Orders. I'll name it to her. Slowly exits through porch. Pillinger opening letter, which he holds during the whole scene with Cook. Anna, I would suggest that whatever you have to say to Cook may be said calmly and without undue severity. Miss Pillinger opening letters, which she holds during the whole scene with Cook. That should be left to my discretion. A stand must be made somewhere. Caroline has come out of kitchen during this. She advances to the table. You wished to speak to me? The men turn and face her. Yes, Cook. I want to give you orders for today's dinner. Certainly. What do you fancy? What would you all like? She glances round, both men beam at her. Before we speak of that, I have a word to say with regard to the breakfast. Tomorrow's breakfast? No, today's. I am very much astonished and annoyed. Tut, tut. What was wrong with the breakfast? When I sent it out, it looked all right. Why were my directions disregarded? I ordered the eggs to be poached. You boiled them. I mentioned fried bacon. None came to the table. I requested you to procure fish. You gave us kidneys. Now what have you to say? I'm afraid I forgot about the eggs. I haven't any other excuse to offer. A most reasonable explanation. Things do slip one's memory. Miss Pillinger glares at Dorverston. I didn't cook any bacon. It had got rather low, and I didn't think the results would please you. Impossible to cut rashers from bacon that is uh, uh, practically non-existent. Thing no fellow could do. Miss Pillinger glares at him. I remember you did mention fish, but you've had a good deal of fish lately, so I thought I'd try you with kidneys. But if there has been any inconvenience, I'm sorry. There has been no inconvenience. None at all. Miss Pillinger glares at Dorverston. Hannah, I think we may pass, as they say in the House of Commons, to the orders of the day. Here, here. Pillinger looks at him. Well, Cook, since you express your regret... Dorverston and Lucy laugh. I will say no more. Now, as to this evening, you will be in sole charge of the house. Both men look up. As I have given Keziah permission to go to the penny reading. So, I think we will make it a cold meal, as that will entail less washing up. Just as you like. We will begin with salmon. Caroline reflectively. Salmon? Yes, you might have salmon. Pickled salmon. 
Oh, no, not pickled. Both men shake their heads. That should be a pity. I'll make you a mayonnaise. Delightful. Rippin'. I shall want some lettuces. I'll tell Gandy. After that, we will have two cold ducklings. Ducklings? It's late for ducklings. Maturity in poultry is to be deprecated. Leathery beasts at this time of the year? Miss Pillinger glares at Dorveston. Then why not a gosling? It's early for geese. Deuced early. Entirely premature. When I mentioned the goose, I was thinking of Mr. Pillinger. Dorveston and Lucy laugh. Tod, tod, Hannah. Hope, ma'am, when you mentioned a duck, you were thinking of me. I fail to understand you. My brother is exceedingly partial to goose. There's a ham and cut, so I think we'd better fall back on fowls. It isn't easy to do anything very novel with cold fowls, but if I stuff and glaze them, I've no doubt they'll pass muster. Cook, I... You like sweets, of course? Certainly. You had better make us... Will you leave the sweets to me? I want to try a new kind of fruit salad. It's my first attempt, but you'll find it will be all right. And perhaps I might throw in a shape of jelly. We'll see. But... What time will you dine? At least it isn't dinner. What time will you sup? At seven tonight instead of half past. Seven. I shall be ready. Is there anything else you wish to say to me? No, Cook. I don't suppose anything will be gained by my saying any more. Turns away and reads letters. Very good. Takes kidney dish off table. Mr Pillinger assisting her. She crosses centre. Dorveston speaking eagerly. Ah, here's that bit about Lady Huntworth. Caroline looks round at him in a startled manner. It's in the agony column. Reads. Will Lady Huntworth communicate with Messrs. Brampton and Stokes, Capel Court, on a matter of considerable importance? Why should we resume the discussion of that disgraceful woman? Caroline turns and looks at him. Why, indeed? Caroline looks at her. Dorveston to Lucy. When we were talking just now, couldn't remember where I'd read that. Ain't to forget a thing. Cook. Caroline stands thinking quietly. Cook. I beg your pardon. We needn't keep you if you quite understand about the supper. Oh, quite. Thanks. Exit into kitchen. Dorveston rises, looks after her. You be. Don't you think that woman has a very singular manner? Singular? No. She is certainly superior. Very superior. Miss Pillinger rises, crosses centre. She is so superior that she seems above taking my orders. Gandhi comes out during this and continues clearing away. He places Mr Pillinger's chair up B.C. and Miss Pillinger's chair up left above gate. Folds cloth over tray and takes it into the kitchen. Then comes back, folds up table, and takes it away into house before Q. This is July. I wouldn't say that. Ma'am, she met you halfway over the salmon. Returns to window. 
Miss Pillinger goes up with dignity and enters house through French window. Pillinger rises, crosses centre. Thorsby is late. I expected him to call. Uh, he came early this morning, but he wouldn't wait. Tut, tut. He knows I wish to see him. I have two christenings at one-thirty and an internment at three. However, Lucy and uh, uh, <coughs> Captain Dorveston crosses and brings Dorveston down. As you are together for once, I will avail myself of the opportunity to say a few serious words to you both. Dorveston and Lucy look at each other nervously. Peg away, sir. Lucy stands near table right. Dorveston stands centre. I have no wish to appear unduly inquisitive on a subject which with I have merely an indirect concern. Sits right of table. But may I inquire if you have fixed the time that will make you both, that will make us all happy? Puts arm on table and leans back. Lucy and Dorveston again look at each other. Has the date been arrived at? Not precisely. Not to a day or so. Have you settled on the week or the month? No, we haven't got as far as that. But something was said about the autumn. The late autumn. Pillinger has been leaning his arm on the table. Now sits up and faces them. The late autumn? Sits up. But last autumn, something was said about the early spring. The question was then relegated to the late summer. This is July, and where are we? He leans back and is about to rest his arm on table, but Gandhi has just removed it, with the result that he loses his balance and comes on his hand. Dorveston goes to his assistance. Allow me, sir. Thank you. I was unaware that Gandhi had removed the table. But, to resume what I was saying, can you give me any definite information? You'll see, sir, I haven't worried Lucy, because I know girls are apt to be a bit, uh, a bit... Well... Nonsense! I've lost a word. Girls are apt to be a bit... Coy. That's it. Thanks, little woman. A bit coy. Comes to Pillinger. Coy. Rises, comes centre. Well, the expression hardly seems to me to convey Lucy's habitual demeanour. But in any case, she is of age. To Lucy. You were twenty-one last week, I think. Yes, I was. Your small fortune is carefully tied up. Quite right, sir. So it ought to be. Captain Dorveston. Patting him on the shoulder. Is in a firm financial position. Pretty fair as things go. Then why any further delay? 
Why not August? Nice seaside month. My own thoughts are turning towards Eastbourne. I had an offer from a feller I know to go halves in a shoot this August. Going to Lucy. But I wouldn't let that stand in the way, not for a moment. Thanks, Jack. Crosses downright a little. Take my advice. Let no trivial obstacle intervene between you. Let there be no postponement or interruption. There shan't be, sir. Caroline comes out from porch. That's well. They shake hands. That's well. Gandy. Both men turn round to her without releasing hands. Do you want anything, Cook? Crosses up to her left. Anything I could do? They both go up Dorverston on her right. I wanted Gandy for a second. Certainly. He was here just now. Saw him a minute ago. I'll call him. Goes left. Gandy! Fancy he went this way. Gandy! Sorry to detain you. Gandy! Nuisance having to wait. Gandy! Pray don't bother about it. I only wanted him to pick me some parsley. No trouble at all. Where is Gandy? What's happened to the beggar? Could I, uh, take on the job? Tut, tut, absurd. How should you know the proper way to, uh, uh, pick parsley? Never too old to learn, sir. To Caroline. Where should I be likely to drop across it? There's a small parsley bed over there. She points left. Right-o. Crosses left, kneels. But it's really too bad to trouble you. Crosses centre. Mr. Pillinger goes with Caroline on her left. Not a bit. To oblige you, I'd pick oakum. He kneels and picks parsley. I, um, <coughs> regret that <coughs> the absence of Gandhi, as to which I shall require some explanation, should have caused you all this inconvenience. It doesn't signify. Captain Dorveston is doing the work very nicely. Fact is, I've broken out in a new place. Where shall I put the pieces? Holding up parsley. In this dish. Mr. Pillinger takes dish from her, and Dorverston snatches it from him, puts parsley in it, and holds it out. It's very easy when you get into the swing of it. Will that be enough? Plenty. Thanks. There. Rises, crosses to hand her bowl, Pillinger trying to get hold of it. I'm much obliged. Don't you think I should make a good gardener? Capital, I should say. Crosses to porch. Tut, tut. She goes up stage. Cook, cook. She turns round. If I try for the situation, will you give me a character? I'm afraid I haven't got one to spare. He laughs. She returns to the kitchen. Dorverston, going up to window, then turns to Pillinger. By George, she's a devilish, um... Uh... Tut, tut. Up left centre, 
Lucy knocks on the table two or three times to draw their attention. Just so, sir, but I mean, she is, don't you know, isn't she? Pillinger crosses down left centre. She is undoubtedly possessed of great refinement for anyone in her present sphere. Refinement? Crosses down right centre. We gathered from the Duchess of Sturton that Cook has seen better days. Her grace is somewhat vague conversationally, but we understood as much as that. Dorverston, confidentially, he hides Lucy from Pillinger's view. Funny thing a woman like that should be running loose. Odd she hasn't married some fellow. It is singular, in fact remarkable. For a certain type of man she would make, I should say, an admirable wife. Just the wife for a soldier man. Pardon me, I disagree with you. No, she has a quietude, a dignified reserve, that would fit her to preside over the household of a staid medical man, or a barrister in fair practice, who was no longer young, or even a... Uh, uh, Catches Dorverston's eye. But we're wasting the morning. Crosses left. Don't say that, uncle. They both stare at her. Lucy. Crosses to top of chair right. Hello, little woman, still there? Yes, I'm still here. By George, sir. Crosses and sits on chair facing the others. Weren't we all chatting over something? I uh, think I was urging you both <coughs> uh, to, uh You were urging us to name the day, and to avoid any kind of trivial interruption. The men look at each other. I believe that is so. And Jack agreed. Yes. And I chimed in with the general sentiment. But, of course, at the time it was impossible to foresee the parsley. The two men exchange glances. She rises. I'm going down to the village. I punctured a tyre yesterday, and I've got to fetch my bike. I must get to work. I'm late as it is. Crosses centre looking at watch. Make it a ten-minute sermon, sir. Weather's extraordinary hot. I beg, Captain Dorveston, you will spare me any such irreverent suggestions. And I trust that if you must sleep in a sacred edifice, you will render your slumber less aggressive. Moves to French window. You do snore, Jack. You nearly drowned the second lesson last Sunday. Pillinger turning to Lucy. You are not blameless. As his future wife, it is your duty and <coughs> privilege to nudge him. For what purpose has heaven given you elbows? He goes into house, slight pause. Dorverston puts pipe away. Lucy crosses up, turns to chair right. Jack? 
Yes, little woman. Do you care for me? Of course I do. How much? Crosses to chair and kneels on it. How much? Rises, crosses centre. Well, I'm a bad hand at explaining things. For instance, would you give up a big thing for my sake? What sort of big thing? An empire? Oh, yes. A peerage? Oh, Lord, yes. Would you give up a dish of parsley? Dorveston, long puzzled look. What do you mean? I don't understand. You're a humbug. Sorry, you think that? Well, do something to please me. Anything I can. Fetch me an orchid. He looks surprised. To wear this evening, there are lots in the orchid house, will you? Course I will. Thanks. Dorveston crosses upright, Lucy crosses left centre, and Dorveston crosses down to her. Dorveston places hands upon Lucy's shoulder and speaking over her shoulder. Little woman, ever since the time when your dear old dad first gave us the word of command, I've always had a pretty clear notion where the word duty came in, so when once you've pulled yourself together and named the day, I mean to pull myself together and do my level damnedest to make you happy. Do you see? Turns her round. Lucy facing him. Yes, I see. Puts hand on his shoulder. I'm quite sure you mean all you say, and it's nice of you to say it and to mean it, the only thing is, you seem to be entering upon a matrimonial campaign without any transports. I don't follow. Lucy takes him by the lapels of coat. When I said you were a humbug, I meant there is one person you are always trying to deceive. Who is that? Jack Dorveston. He looks bewildered. Don't you mind what I say. Go and fetch my orchid turns him round and pushes him away. He pauses, rubs his head reflectively and at last strolls off right. Lucy goes over to the tree and sits for a moment in thought. She suddenly remembers the letter in tree and jumps on seat to get it. Caroline has come out, bringing with her two pudding basins, which she places on the seat under the garden window. She comes down to table right to take up the newspaper she catches sight of Lucy, who is trying to get the letter out of cavity. Caroline coming centre. Shall I do that? Oh, Cook, is that you? Turning quickly. You startled me. Did I? I'm sorry. What was it you said? I offered to get your letter for you. I have a longer reach. What letter? Jumps down. The latest one from Mr. Thorsby. Cook, how dare you? I'm not naturally timid. You are excessively impertinent. Am I? Very likely. But as that is your opinion, I'll chance a rather rude question. When are you going to bolt with Mr. Thorsby? What do you mean? I'm foolish to listen to you at all. I shall go to my uncle and aunt and tell them what you've just said. Comes close to Cook, then wavers and takes a step back. Caroline pause. If I am mistaken about you and Mr. Thorsby, you would be quite right to tell them. Am I mistaken? 
Lucy tries to brave her, but her head droops. Quite so. Then I think I would get the compromising letter out of the tree and say no more about it. Unless you'll let me do it. Makes a movement to get letter. Oh, no! She jumps hastily on seat and gets letter. There. I don't care if you do know. Anybody may know after tomorrow. So it's to be tomorrow? Lucy jumps down. Yes, it is. I am bound to trust you. I can't help myself. So if you choose to give the whole thing away, you can. I shan't do that. On the contrary, I should like to do any little thing I could to help you. Lucy looks in wonder. Thank you. Slight pause sits. How did you find out about us? Looking at Cook. Caroline goes up a step. Two or three Sundays ago. I was coming home about ten in the evening. It was my Sunday out. And as I came round the corner, you and Mr. Thordsby were outside the gate. Oh. Her eyes drop. You were supposed to be spending the evening with your friend Mrs. Bronson, if you remember. Yes. You didn't hear me coming, and Mr. Thorsby said good night to you. Oh. He said it very thoroughly. Yes, I believe he did. That was how I found out. Lucy, after slight pause. How funny it seems to be talking to you about it all. What did you think when you saw what you saw? I was rather amused. What did you think of me? Need we go into that? I should like you to say. Well, to tell you the truth, I thought you weren't going quite straight. Because of Captain Dorverston? Yes. I don't care for Captain Dorverston, and I do care for Mr. Thorsby. Surely it's better to marry the man you love? I dare say it would be. I have nothing to say against Mr. Thorsby. He seems a very pleasant young fellow. I shouldn't think he would take to drink. Lucy looks in surprise. Or turn out badly to any special extent. Of course, one can't tell beforehand. Cook! Surprised. It would be all right if you weren't engaged to another man. But Jack isn't in love with me. Rises. You think not? He likes me, and he wouldn't admit it to anybody, certainly not to himself, that I wasn't all the world to him and a bit over. But in the way of real love, he doesn't care a rap for me. He doesn't care a sprig of parsley. They look at each other, Cook smiles, and then Lucy takes it up. Ah, that makes a difference. Slight pause. Well, I must see to the mayonnaise. She turns and goes up to the seat under the kitchen window. She begins to break eggs into the basin. Lucy goes up to porch and sits on it, leaning her head against the pillar. Do you know, I think you've been trying to be very kind to me. Not at all. I was wondering if you would tell me a little about yourself. Tell you what? Tell me about your life. My life? No, it's a waste of time to discuss failures. You are a riddle, because you are, pardon me, a lady. Well? And yet, yet... Looking away. Who are you? What are you? The vicar's cook. Their eyes meet. You will do me a favour, Miss Pillinger, if you will leave it at that. Oh, certainly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be inquisitive. 
Church clock chimes the half hour. I'm sure you didn't. I ought to go down to the village. Crosses to French window. Caroline takes up fork and begins to stir eggs. Don't let me make you late for any appointment. Cook puts bowl on window. Lucy tries to laugh and exits through French window. Dorverston enters with large orchid. Here you are, little woman. Looks for Lucy. She has gone down to the village. Hello, are you there, cook? Goes to her. Yes. Doing a bit of alfresco cooking? I'm mixing the mayonnaise. Are you, by George? That's devilish interesting, I suppose. Now the kitchen's a bit hot for things that go off colour. Yes. Eggs, for instance? Sits right of cook. I suppose you start with eggs as a ground plan, and then, and then you beat them. I often thought I should like to beat eggs. Seriously. Caroline rising. You can beat these. At least you can stir them if you've a fancy that way. I want to baste my two fowls. Oh. Disappointed stops stirring. Caroline. She gives him the basin, pours, rises and turns to porch. Don't leave off stirring till I come back. Dorverston beginning to stir. Not for worlds. Cook turns. But basting now. Basting must be an unusual engrossing branch of the science. Couldn't I come and watch you baste? Caroline standing at entrance to porch. No, go on with the eggs, please. The orchid seems rather in your way. Got it for Lucy to wear tonight? Give it to me. Thanks. Gives it to her. Tell her I'm taking care of it. Going. I say, cook. Caroline pausing. Yes? I do want awfully to have a chat with you. Edging to end of bench. You're chatting now. Leans against post and faces Dorverston. Can't talk here. People about. And then there's the basting. That's true. You'll be all alone this evening. Don't fancy I shall want much at the penny reading. A hapeth will be plenty. Thought I'd stroll back. And then, don't you understand? I think I understand you, but I'm doubtful if you quite understand me. I've an idea that what you want to say wouldn't interest me at all. Dorverston rises. You're wrong. I don't mean an atom of harm. I swear I don't. What I want to say, I would say before anybody, only I'd rather talk it over quietly. May I come? If you like. Then you believe in me? Caroline pauses. Yes, I think I do. What time are you likely to be back? Round about 9.30. 9.30, all right. Don't forget to stir the eggs. He begins eagerly. Very gently. Enters porch and then kitchen. Dorverston watches her off and is looking through window, still stirring, when Pillinger comes out of French window. Captain Dorverston? Captain Dorverston? Captain Dorverston? Dorverston turns to him. If you are at leisure, I should be glad if... Seeing Basin and pointing to it. What is that? Fancy they call it a puddin' basin. 
What are you? Why should you? I'm stirring the eggs for the mayonnaise. Cook asked me to. Tut, tut. I have received a letter from the lawyers respecting the draft copy of your marriage settlement. I gave it to you. May I ask you to fetch it? Just now, sir. Naturally. Why not? Promised I wouldn't leave off stirring. Look here, sir. If I fetch the paper, will you go on with the eggs? Gives him basin. They both stir so as not to stop. Well, rather than cause a, <clears throat> a domestic inconvenience. Takes basin. But have the goodness to make haste. The position is not without embarrassment. I look sharp, sir. Crosses up back. Don't forget to stir very gently. The caution is quite superfluous. Crosses to back of chair right. End of Act One, Part One.